Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Oh, dear ones, thank you once again for joining us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. I'm your tongue-tied host, John Russin. And I'm here with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, who's uh, ensconced someplace in South Louisiana. How are you, my friend? What do you mean tongue-tied today? <laughs> oh, I just kind of stumbled through the introduction. <laughs> well, I didn't notice. I, I, I give you the freedom to be human. <laughs> oh, there you go. I appreciate that. My tongue uh, has gotten me into trouble more often than I care to count. Oh, uh, both of us. Oh, yes. Well, dear friends, we have been talking through what we call the one another's, the life in the body of Christ, at least according to Frank and John. And we've gone through 15 of these commands. And the one we're going to do today, number 16, I tell you, Frank, we've talked about a lot of difficult ones, like accept one another. But I tell you, I think this one is the toughest one. This one is forgive one another. And let me read the verse. And then we'll talk about it. It comes from Colossians 3. And this is the verse in context. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, and here's the hook, my friend, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Wow, what a mouthful. That sort of captures our entire one another series almost in one verse, doesn't it? Yes, my goodness, John. You know, you started off by saying commands. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing to remind everyone who would listen to this podcast. I think sometimes the grace community loses sight of the fact that the new covenant did not remove the imperative mood of the New Testament. There are commands all over the New Testament. And I think the key is we have to realize why they're there. They are not there for us to merit acceptance with God. They're not there to merit salvation with God, certainly. They're there, I think, because they're statements of identity. I mean, you're not a thief, so why would you steal? You are a forgiver, so therefore you're commanded to forgive. And I think the second function, John, is that they are also promises, as Juan Carlos used to say. Whenever you see an imperative in the New Testament, a command, you know that God has also promised to be the dynamic that fulfills that command. We don't just obey it with a firm will. We obey it through faith that he will be living through us. And so this is no different from the others. Forgive one another. And John, I think the huge thing you just said, this is a command. I can't tell you how many people have been in my office that have said, I don't feel like forgiving. I'll forgive them when I'm ready to. Mm. 
And the Lord Jesus in his spirit put that in a command form because it's the best thing for someone. Forgiveness is for them to get them free from the offense that was done to them. It's not for the offender. As with all of his commands, they come with the promise of fruitfulness and blessing and life. And I don't know where we're going to go today, John, but uh, that's kind of a very... uh, powerful introduction that I hope will catch people's attention span, that this is a podcast they're going to want to listen to the whole thing because they need to get free. And that's what forgiveness is for. Oh my goodness, Frank, you mentioned the word promise. And when I think about that promise, and I think about it in context of this verse, it begins like this, my friend, it says, put on, which is where the command comes in. And so Mm. we are to put on compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and bearing with one another and forgiving with one another. And basically, when I look at that, I interpret it this way. Make what's real about you on the inside Mm. evident on the outside. Mm. Because as you said, this is true about us in our identity. We're holy, we're loved by God, we're his chosen ones. And so we are fully equipped to do all of this. And put on is just make others able to see what's true about you on the inside. Boy, that's really true. Jesus is in you and he wants out. (laughs) So we should express the life that's in us. And it's a, it's a life that, that loves others. It's a life that forgives others. So it, it should be, John, the most natural thing in the world for us as believers to forgive, but boy, it sure doesn't feel that way. Oh, that's for sure. And you know, I've always thought about this, Frank, forgiveness is a great idea until Mm -hmm. it's time for us to do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's, it's a great, it preaches so well. It's the subject of a lot of cool songs. It makes great plaques in the Bible bookstore, if they even have those anymore. But I tell you, it's tough when you've got to do it yourself. Now, because here's why. You don't have to forgive someone, Frank, unless you've been hurt. Mm-hmm. You've been offended. Someone has sinned against us. And so when that happens, to be honest, The last thing we want to think about sometimes is forgiveness because we're walking in pain. We've got rejection. We've got betrayal. We've got shame. None of that is good or pleasant. And so there's a sorrow involved, a grieving, a mourning because somebody has hurt us. Am I getting that right? Am I been hurt often enough to get get that sequence right? I think I have. Yeah, it's true, John. And again, we've said this throughout this study. I think part of it is the leftover, the vestiges, if you will, of the the lie that we shall be as God. And so how dare someone offend God? And so God will punish them, you know? And then there's just the idea of of hope and, and love where you wish someone would love you and they let you down and, and that hurts. And, 
And then, of course, there's that pride. You remember Lamech in the old book? God said, if anybody takes vengeance on Cain for killing Abel, it will be tenfold on them. And then Lamech comes along and says, well, yeah, well, if anybody takes after me, I'll be a hundredfold against them. So there is that kind of a pride thing where uh, tit for tat, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. If you stop loving me, I'll stop loving you. But what happens is we make a prison for ourselves when we do that. And this beautiful creation God made is not able to get out of that prison of unforgiveness and bitterness. That is so true. So when someone hurts us, Frank, it's honest, it's real, it's human to feel that pain, to feel Mm -hmm. that rejection, to feel that betrayal. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Our listeners need to understand that it's natural. It's human to feel pain when someone sins against you. That's the first step. That's a normal step. But here's where we go off track, because many of us take a different step too. This is where it gets tricky. Instead of forgiving, we slip into this mindset. Well, they hurt me, so they owe me. And they have to pay, or I'm going to hurt them back. I have Mm. them in my debt. I'm in control here. And so a lot of times people will use an offense as a weapon against other people. And so instead of walking in forgiveness, you lock yourself into this bondage of revenge. And as you said, it's a prison. My goodness. And and God wants so much more for us than to be trapped in the prison of our own pride and our own sense of revenge, doesn't he? Hmm. I heard somebody say, when you hold on to bitterness, you're having yourself for lunch. (laughs) You know, a lot of times the person who offended you, they move on with their life a lot of times. Sometimes they don't even realize what they did. But in our mind, this is the sad thing, John. We have this ability to play that memory, like a DVR, remember those things? Oh, yeah. Rewind, rewind and play. So, you know, you might have hurt me in 1999 one time, just one time. But I rewind and play that hurt a hundred times a day in my mind. And I beat myself up. I think I'm beating you up. But what's really happening is I'm destroying the beautiful creation that God made of me in Christ. And I'm hindering that beautiful creation from being experienced and expressed through an unforgiving spirit. Yes, sir. We've all experienced this. What comes to mind is a a certain person in my life um, who kind of made a, a life pattern of collecting offenses. And Mm. so to maintain his level of, anger, and I use that word carefully, his level of anger against people, he would have to fuel those fires. Mm. And so he's constantly looking for another reason to hate them, to reject them. So he's you know looking for offenses, digging up, manufacturing things, interpreting things totally wrong, just so he can find more fuel for his fire. So his whole life became focused on on finding things wrong with other people so he can maintain his fury against them. And boy, you want to talk about a lonely, miserable, bitter man till the very end. 
that's who he was. That's how he lived. And he drove away just about every person in his life. Mm. You know, John, I think we made reference to this a few weeks ago, but there are people who get hurt and they just sort of put a shell on themselves so that they try to not get hurt again. You know, they, they run away from relationship. They don't give their heart away again. They just kind of function like a turtle. But then there's those other people, like the one you described, and they're kind of like a porcupine. They won't let you get close to them because if you get too close, they'll stick you. But you know, the bottom line for a person like that, John, is they're really hurting. They look angry. They look mean, critical. I'll never forget. There was a guy. We had a psychologist, well, a couple of them in town here who would refer their patients to me when the patient's insurance money ran out. <laughs> kind of ironic because then they'd come to Grace Life and get free for free. But <laughs> um, I remember this one time, this psychologist called me up and he said, Frank, I want to refer this guy to you. Uh, he's hostile. He's volatile. You might have to defend yourself. And I said, my goodness, thank you for referring him. And sure enough, he was <laughs> everything that the guy said he was. He came in, but he wouldn't sit down. He paced back and forth, venting, cussing, swearing. Oh, goodness, for probably 20 minutes. And I just watched him. I'm not going to let him touch my buttons if this is how he wants to spend his time. But he got frustrated with me because I wouldn't enter into what he was doing. And finally, in his frustration, John, he sat down, gave a big huff, folded his arms and glared at me. And I'll never forget this, John. The Holy Spirit led me through and through. I leaned forward, looked at him and I said, what hurt you so bad, sir? And he recoiled in horror and then cried like a baby for about 20 minutes. And when he was done, he said what I will call magic words, because the patient, if you will, the counselee had become the teacher. And he was teaching me something that was so powerful. He said these words, you're the first person that ever saw my pain. Mm. It was so radical for me, John, because what did everybody see? They saw the anger, the rage, and were afraid of him. But he was really a very hurt man. But because of his unforgiveness, he had become a very ugly man that instilled fear into the people that were around him. And it was a self-fulfilling prophecy of rejection because nobody wanted to get near him. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can understand that we've all seen and interacted with people like this, uh, folks who just walk around bitter and angry. In fact, I had a person tell me in fury against me that you owe me is exactly what this person said. Wow. So I said, okay, what exactly do I owe you? And then this person said, well, I did this and this and this and this and this, and you didn't help at all. I said, okay, well, how should I have helped? Help me understand. And I just got screaming and actually I got physically beaten <laughs> wow. at, at that time. And so I understand the pain, 
But boy, when you're dealing with these people, unless the Holy Spirit really cracks the shell, it is painful to come into contact with these folks. And it takes a, a miracle of attitude mm-hmm. to accept and forgive them in advance uh, mm-hmm. before you can even get a chance to talk to them. You know, I just I look at this and say, wow, only the Holy Spirit can step in and do something because he's not going to do it through me. Not the way mm. this interaction is going. So sometimes it's important that we recognize that when someone's hurting, we might not be the one to step in mm. and, and help to bring them freedom. It might have to be someone really disassociated as you were. Yeah. You know, John, listening to you, I, I would call those people ulcer givers. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. you, you get around them and they are so toxic that as you try to love them, they will, they'll give you an ulcer. And so sometimes listening to you, we have to implement Romans 12, 19. You know, it says, insofar as it lies with you, pursue peace. And so, you know, you got to do all you can to have peace. But there's some people when you've done all you can, then you're called to freedom. And, and that peace means you may have to separate from them. Yeah. And like you said, let the Holy Spirit take over. I remember a person in my life and I would try to share Christ with them. Toxic, toxic individual cuss at me, swear at me. So finally I just stopped. And about seven or eight years later, they came to me and said, you don't love me anymore. And I said, Oh no, I I love you more than I've ever loved you before. And they said, well, how come you never tell me about Jesus? I said, because you don't listen. And they said, (laughs) well, will you tell me? And I said, well, will you listen? And within about 30 minutes, we were allowed the privilege of leading them to Christ but it happened only because the Holy Spirit took over and brought them to a place where they were willing, I think, tired of being so miserable. And then they were ready to receive forgiveness from God. And then since the universal law is you can't give what you don't have, finally having received forgiveness from God, they were able to start to enter into the process of forgiving the other people that had hurt them so badly. And they had used that hurt and done a far worse thing, really. That's boy, John, this is maybe a rabbit trail, but you know, it's one thing to have something done to us, painful hurt, but what we do to ourselves because of that hurt by the bitterness, setting our mind on what they did, we are the ones who become Mr. Hyde because we're doing that to ourselves. It's far worse than what they did to hurt us. Yes. You know, listening to you talk, I'm thinking about circumstances in, in my own life. And that when, when we are offended, when someone sins against us, and we don't make the difficult choice to forgive, this is what I think happens, my friends. We freeze them in our minds. Mm-hmm. at that precise horrible moment so when we think about them the first thing that comes to mind is not all the other good experiences we might have had it's that last horrible moment where mm-hmm. they offended us and so that's what we remember when we think about joe blow that's what comes to mind and so every time we think about joe blow we fuel the fires and we make joe blow a monster 
We have to in order to keep him as the enemy in our minds. But really what we're doing is we're not putting Joe Blow in prison. We're not punishing him. We are making ourselves a victim. And we're saying, you know, I'm miserable, but it's not my fault. It's what he did to me. And so no Mm -hmm. wonder I feel this way. I can't possibly forgive him because of what he did. And so Mm -hmm. I make myself when I do that, I make myself a victim. And so as soon as I begin to grab this victim mindset, Frank, I begin to see myself as a victim in all kinds of different relationships, different arenas. And pretty soon my identity becomes wrapped around this lie that I'm a victim. And mm. nothing I do influences the world around me. And boy, that is just so contrary to the truth of scripture, isn't it? Oh my goodness, John, just listen to you. You know, when we do that, you said a very key word. We turn that person into a monster. And in a way, that becomes our, I don't even know if we're aware of it, but becomes our justification for not forgiving them. Yes. Because you forgive human beings, but you don't forgive monsters. And then we have turn them into an omnipotent monster that what they did to us, we can never heal from. So we make them bigger than God. And then again, that becomes a justification for failing to forgive and we become victims. And you know, the thing about a victim, John, that I think a lot of people don't realize about themselves, they've also become victimizers because we fail to love other people and that's victimizing other people and we fail to let them love us and that's victimizing people and you know john i learned that the hard way yeah we Uh, all do i think yeah refusing to forgive some of those things that happened in my life i became a victim and then in the process i became a victimizer And that's not who I wanted to be. So I had to do the hard work, uh, the surgical work without anesthesia, as you once said, and get through the surgery of forgiveness and excise that bitterness out of our lives. Yeah. And, And we will talk about how to do that, Frank, and we'll probably get to it in our next episode. So I don't want to just leave our listeners hanging. But one last thing I want to cover before we move on is that going back to this victim mindset, what I've seen, my friend, is that when we've got this victim mindset, we turn that mindset into a wall of self-protection. And if we're not careful, it can develop into strongholds. Second Corinthians 10 talks about that. And it takes a mighty work of God to tear down those strongholds because Mm. our whole life becomes focused on keeping it from happening again. And when that happens, we sacrifice the expression of Christ's life in us. Mm. We become almost like walking zombies that the life in us can't get out because it's trapped within a wall of self-protection. And boy, what a perspective when you think about that. And then you approach 2 Corinthians 10 and the importance of the spiritual warfare that has to go on to tear down these walls when we let them get really thick. Mm. You know, you've hit spot on, John. There's actually a verse in Proverbs 18. It says, it's easier to win a fortified city than it is to win a wounded brother. 
And the illustration I always like to use when I teach on that is the city of Tyre and this old boy named Alexander the Great. And Tyre had walls. You just said thick, thick walls. They were so thick, you could put six chariots side by side on top of those walls. Well, old Alex, that ego trip, he wanted to conquer Tyre. But with walls that thick, it took him 10 years to conquer Tyre. And boy, you put that in the context, it's easier to conquer the city of Tyre than it is to win a wounded brother. Wow. Yeah. That person doesn't want to heal. If they don't want to forgive, you are in for the war of your life <laughs> because you can't change their heart. It's easier to go conquer the city of Tyre than it is to try to win that bitter man or bitter woman. Uh, that's a very powerful verse, John. Yes, it certainly is. And I want to speak about forgiveness just a bit, Frank, as we start to dive a little more deeply into this. Uh, we've been talking about making the hard choice, the, the surgery without anesthesia. Well, forgiveness, as I see it, is releasing a debt. You know, they hurt us, so they owe us, right? Mm. That's how I think. And so just like in business, the one who releases the debt bears the cost. You know, Frank, if I owned a business and you bought something mm. from me on time and you didn't pay the bill, I'm the one who bears that cost if I release the debt from you. And so it's choosing to forgive a debt. And it sounds easy, but boy, it can get pretty tough sometimes because hurts can be so big that this is what we hear. I'm sorry. It hurts too much. I just can't forgive. And mm. we hear this even from believers. You and I have both heard this many mm. times over the years. It just hurts too much. Whatever they did, every time I think about it, it just rips me from, from throat to belly all over again. But mm. the truth is, that whatever they did, it can't possibly match up to what Jesus went through to forgive us. Mm. And that mind, his mind, 1 Corinthians 2, is ours. And so mm. it's a lie when people say they can't forgive, because if Christ is in them, they can. It's not an easy message to tell, but boy, it's something that people need to hear. Yeah, you know, John, we, we've talked many times over the years about lies told in the church, and that's one of the big ones, that it hurts too much to forgive. When a Christian makes that statement, we are making the hurt that we received greater than the power of God to deliver us from that hurt. And we have to try to challenge people and get them to think through what they're saying. Do you really want to say that that hurt was bigger than the power of God to set you free from that hurt? But that's what it feels like. And since it feels that way, it affirms to them anyway, the lie that they're believing. And it's very hard to get them to break through and break free of that lie. But it is a lie. God is bigger. God is stronger. We cannot change what was done to us, but with Christ in us, we can change what we do with what was done to us. That's and for we sure. can break free and express his forgiving life and walk in victory. Now, here's the key, not over that painful circumstance. Maybe sometimes we can, but more likely walk through that circumstance that was so painful.
That's what God has promised you. Remember in Psalm 23, Mm -hmm. I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death, not over it, through it. That's That's the kind of God we have. Indeed. And that's the kind of God and forgiver who's living inside of us, Frank. Uh, Mm. He went through Gethsemane. He went through the cross. He went through the grave for our sin. All that horrible suffering and death, he willingly paid that price. So that's who lives inside of us. That's the first truth we need to remember. Here's another one. When we hear people say, I can't forgive, they're absolutely right. In their own strength, Mm. they probably can't. But Christ in us, the forgiver in us mm. is the one who can do it through us. It's not a natural forgiveness. It's something supernatural. It's almost a miracle uh, mm. to have the forgiver inside of us. And because he's inside of us, we are equipped to do this. We certainly can. It might hurt like the Dickens, but we can do this. Uh, we mm. just simply have to choose to set our mind and to trust him and to walk. Oh, John, I'm going to take this opportunity because you sparked a memory. I went to a sexual abuse seminar years and years ago, probably 20, oh my goodness, maybe 30 years ago with very famous counselor, theologian, teachers. And this person taught that the only way to break free of sexual abuse as an adult is to forgive your offender and boldly love them. And so I instantly raised my hand and I said, how? And the person said, you just do it. And boy, I I looked at that and said, survey said, (laughs) Uh, that doesn't work, brother. That's kind of, John, what started me on my quest to study what the issue of forgiveness really is. And you have voiced it so dynamically. It is supernatural. You know, if you bump into me in the hallway of church and you say, please forgive me, no problem, John. But if you back up your car and run over my daughter in the parking lot and say, please forgive me, ouch, I'm not up to that demand. I don't know anybody that's up to that demand. That's the supernatural life of Christ being expressed through us. Uh, Just like we've talked all along, supernatural patience, supernatural love, supernatural kindness, and now supernatural forgiveness. Like you said, the forgiver is inside of us. He is God. And there is no pain or hurt that is bigger than him. And we can do all things through Christ, even the radical thing of forgiving people who make a willful choice to hurt us. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's easy to hear. It preaches well, Uh, but but walking the path, bro, uh, it's not the easiest. We understand that because we both walked through that valley of the shadow of death. Hey, I got one more topic I want us to focus on before we wrap this up. You know, going back to our verse in Colossians 2, it says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. There's a parallel mm-hmm. passage, Frank, in Ephesians 4. It says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So this is a duplicate passage. 
And it's cool because it's, it's duplicating even the standard, the measure of forgiveness as Christ has forgiven us. Mm. Wow. Oh, let me throw some thoughts out there, bro. As far as the East is from the West. Sound familiar? Mm. That's how far he took our sins from us. I remember John's sins and Frank's sins no more. Mm. Uh, and when we, when we come to him, he treats us just as if we had never sinned. So this is our yardstick, Frank. And mm. this is not a pretty high standard. This is an impossible standard, a mm. supernatural mm. standard to forgive someone as Christ has forgiven us. Wow. Unpack that for us, please, because I'm just kind of stunned. It is stunning. I don't think people realize it. You know, you started off this podcast, John, by talking about the flippancy that we often find within the Christian uh, faith with this issue of forgiveness, the Christian books, some of the songs, you know, forgive one another. No, it's not like that. It's grit your teeth. It's cry. It's gut-wrenching to make that choice to forgive. But you also said a very important point. You said it cancels the debt. Well, he canceled our debts. We cancel others. And this is fascinating. The normal Greek word for forgiveness is aphiomi, and it does mean cancel the debt. But in the Ephesians passage, it's charizomai. And yes, charizomai yes. is from charis, which means grace them. Grace them as you have been graced by God. Whoa, give them what they don't deserve, just like you got what you didn't deserve. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Tough stuff, man. But Colossians 3 says, and it's a command. Let what's true about you on the inside be evident about you on the outside. Put on forgiveness. Mm. When people first see you, wow, that person is a person who forgives offenses. I've been watching them. They just simply have a lifestyle of forgiving. In fact, Frank, we're going to wrap it up with my last comment, and I'll let you pull things together with one last series of comments. But these things... All these one another's that we've been talking about, these are lifestyle attributes. Mm -hmm. They come from a life in us. It's rooted in us because it's, it's who we are. It's not mm -hmm. something we do. As I said earlier, it's not a checkbox. And my goodness, this is not like an overcoat we put on when it's raining so that we can put on forgiveness or take off forgiveness. This is not what that passage means. It simply mm -hmm. means let the inside truth be evident on the outside. Wow. Well, okay, man. Last wrap up. Final thoughts. <laughs> well, John, I'd like to tell a story if that's okay. I'll do it quickly. You know how our little baby girl was fighting for life in the ICU for months and months. And we finally got to a point to bring her home. They gave her a new med and instantly Janet and I knew something was wrong. We complained three times to the nursing staff. They looked at the notes and said, no, it's right. We headed home that night about one o'clock in the morning. The phone rang. It was the hospital. Uh, get here as quick as you can. We're like, what's going on? They said, please, you might not make it in time. And when we got there, it was obvious it was the medicine. The doctor showed up. What's going on? I said, the medicine you gave her. Uh, his eyes got real big. He went into the ICU. He came out about 20 minutes later 
And John, to his credit, what, a, what an admirable man, he walked up to us and said, it's my fault. I was in a hurry. I miscalculated the dose and gave your little girl five times what she was supposed to have. Now, John, as a fleshly man, I wanted to put his head through the wall. But I grabbed him. I hugged him. I said, I love you and I forgive you. Now go forget about us and do everything you can to make her better. Now, here's the key. And I'm, I'm telling this quickly. Normally, I, I can't tell it without tears. But for years, there was a hospital in town that buzzed about the great faith of a man and woman who forgave this man for almost killing their daughter. And John, at that point, I have to say, oh, no, no, you don't understand the new covenant. We didn't have great faith, John. It was a mustard seed faith. I wanted to put his head through the wall. But that little teeny tiny bit of faith in an awesome God. And he exploded through us to love and forgive a man. And what I would say is this. That wasn't the great faith of a man or woman in the 20th century. It wasn't. It was the life of Jesus Christ being lived on this planet through the lives of that men and women as they trusted their God with even a little teeny tiny bit of faith. Forgiveness is supernatural. Amen. Just like the rest of the Christian life, John. <laughs> That's right. Dear ones, thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Frank and I have been talking about the one another's, our take on life and the body of Christ. And today's episode has been tough. So tough that we're going to have to split it up into two parts. We've been talking about forgiveness. And we spent a lot of time talking today about basically how hard forgiveness is, how we get wounded, how do we process it. But we're going to begin next time to really focus on what forgiveness is and how to do it. The consequences if we don't. So please come back and join us on this next episode. And if you can, check out our website, ourresolutehope.com. Look around there, pop us an email, sign up for our newsletter. We'd love to hear from you. We've got a number of books available on Amazon. You can just search under Frank Friedman. Uh, our latest is Finding God in the Gray, The Lonely Path of Pain. And of course, follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, our own YouTube channel, and of course, your favorite podcast home, iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And as always, Frank, we close with this same reminder every episode from Hebrews 619. And we close with the same reminder because it's important. We need to remember that no matter what happens in this life, no matter who hurts us and how hard it is for us to forgive, we have a hope, an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. You and I, Frank, we call it a resolute hope a steadfast, immovable, it's a bedrock kind of hope. Our hope is Jesus. So today and always, choose that hope. Choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.